Hello and welcome back to another episode of Stoke the Wild. Thank you for joining us this week as we continue the conversation on all things creative, film, pop culture, TV, and just fun, random things that we like to talk about. I'm your host, Nick Dertinger, and with me as always is the wonderful... Joy Dertinger. And we're back again. I drank coffee continuously without stopping for the entire duration of our intro music. So like 23 seconds? That's a long time. Actually, it might be longer than 23 seconds. It might be like... 30. 30 seconds. It might be like 30 seconds. <laughs> Plus the whole time I was speaking, huh? Uh, Most of it, yeah. I'm just Fascinating. impressive. Fascinating. <laughs> You're welcome for that thought, listeners. Yeah. That scintillating bit of information. Of important information about <laughs> coffee drinking. I just needed a significant amount of coffee uh, in those moments. That's as, all. as we all do. As we all do. Actually, we... Uh, I don't think we are drinking as much coffee as we were earlier in the pandemic. No, because it's going to make my heart explode, probably. Same. <laughs> but just enough, just enough to get through the day. Correct. So, how are you all doing out there today in Tune Land? Um, doing well? Surviving? Yeah? Tune Land. I feel like that is um reference to something that I don't know what it is. Uh Toonland or Toontown. Is that from Looney Tunes? It, it might be. I know oh. it's also a reference to Roger Rabbit. Oh. I don't really like that. <laughs> I don't, I don't Where like Roger Rabbit. The zaniness, the zanitiness, the zaniness. Zaniness. Of cartoons coexist amongst human characters. I just think that the zaniness of cartoons already does exist among, among human, human characters. characters. And so it just feels a little meta for my taste. Yeah, but it was before meta was cool, Joy. <laughs> it was the 80s. <laughs> was I just 80s. remember watching that as a kid and being like, I am very uncomfortable at all times, watching this film. Oh, yeah. It's, it's extremely inappropriate. It's pretty good. All right. <laughs> um, so, so everybody, we are, we're back. We're here. We've got another episode, and we're talking about um, some, some different things. First, first, okay, let's, let's, we, we got to address it. What is up with what Disney is doing to us with this WandaVision stuff? Oh my gosh, I need to watch it like three more times. Um, we were going to do this episode where we talk about episode three and four, and I, I was thinking, you know, there's supposed to be, I think, nine episodes, and I was thinking maybe episode five coming out this week would be like maybe a break from, from what we've got. And no, they dropped that on us on episode four, and so our... Our conversation about episode three and four here is going to be quite interesting because... Yeah, I wasn't ready for that kind of a break in the story. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if break is the right word, but like that kind of a shift, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, so it got intense real fast. 
So we're going to be talking about episodes three and four here. Again, if you haven't seen it, go watch it and be ready to listen in to some of the craziness. Yep. So we're just going to kind of talk about the whole thing here with spoilers. So, you know, jump ahead about 15 minutes if if you don't want to. If you don't want to. If you want to be spoiled. Because this is getting wild. So here we go. Spoilers in three, two, one. So this episode's. These episodes. This episode's. It, it really blew my mind. I think that, like, um, first of all, I know that, like, people and it, people have picked up on the different decades, you know, that are being reflected in this town. Um, and they even bring it up in episode four. They're like, oh, it's like the 50s, 60s, now it's the 70s. Um, my issue is that people are not talking about that enough. I want it, I want there to be more of that. on the outside. You mean? Um, I guess both. I I you're, you're talk so you're talking about themes here before we even talk about what I'm has sorry, happened. It's just been on my mind constantly. Okay. So if you have if you watch the show, you know that they has gone through those different times, um, in terms of genre, in terms of yeah. decade era technology, um, and we're seeing references to these sitcoms, which they address in episode four, mm-hmm. um, from Darcy. Darcy is so who's good. back from the last time we saw her was Thor: The Dark World. Yeah, wasn't she getting her internship or something, or uh, like doing her internship? I think she was doing postdoctoral research. Okay. Okay. Um, and so we saw her last in Thor the Dark World. So she's back and we got Jimmy Woo back from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. And he's finally learned his magic trick, um, with his card and which is really cool. Um, and then we, we for sure uncover that it's Monica Rambeau and we get like this real intense, probably the best, the best depiction so far of what took place, um, like a, like a perfect contrast, like from from that opening image of Endgame where Clint loses his family in the snap, which was yeah. really good for showing us that devastation. This is probably the best everyone is coming back moment we've seen so far because the only other bit of it we got was, you know, on your left in Endgame where they came through the the portals of the sorcerers. Sure. Um, but they were already there, and then like the brief mention of it in Spider-Man: Far From Home with the blip, and like you know the yeah. ban- the band showed up in the middle of a basketball game. Right, and when Clint is like, "I have to call my wife," and he calls his wife, and no, she calls him. Oh, that's right, that's right. She calls him, but we don't see like that process. Until, no, no, really, we don't. until until this episode of WandaVision, and like in the scenario where she wakes up in the hospital because she had been with her mom. Um, it's just really intense and emotional and just yeah. really well done. And so we have a grown-up Monica Rambeau, who's the young girl in Captain Marvel, and now these worlds are colliding, you know, continuing to sow these seeds of, of storytelling amongst all this stuff. And we find out that Wanda, at least so far, is responsible for a lot more than we realize. Like, she she has some, at least some remembrance of what went on before this. As she recognizes in her conversation with Monica as Geraldine inside the the town about Ultron. I would like to make one point about that, though. 
uh, it is possible, given the nature of the human brain and trauma and the way that like we process trauma and the way that the brain protects us from it, uh, it's entirely possible that up until that moment, Wanda didn't remember or didn't remember enough. Right. But something is triggered, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. Where she remembers that and not only remembers it, but makes the connection that for Geraldine to know it means that she's not a part of what is happening. Right, right, yeah. And then, I'll, I love it, she literally breaks the fourth wall um, in this moment by having Geraldine plow through not just the three interior walls of the house, it goes through like the living room and then the bedroom and then the outer wall of the house. It breaks the fourth metaphorical wall yeah of the, oh yeah i didn't the, even really notice of that. the reality bending wall that everybody yeah. else is on the outside of and back into reality which is a pretty cool that's a wonderful visual gag for yeah lack of a better word. yeah i think that that's a wonderful connection there i like that um so yeah there's so there's so much going on in that and i, I think that they i agree with you they did a beautiful job addressing um you know we in the other films, we addressed the devastation of what it looked like for people to um, be to experience the blip, to to be gone and be snapped away. But um, most of the reunification stories that we saw, you know, post blip, were positive. We didn't see like a this is the devastation that can happen after people come back. Yeah, um, and I think they did a really nice job handling that. It was really visceral. Um, at least for me. I, I don't know about for everyone else. But for me, it was very touching and um, heart-wrenching, for yeah. sure. And so, like, we have, in episode four, we finally, it starts with everything outside of Westview. And we find out that the FBI is missing a, um, uh, they're missing a, a, a uh, uh, um, witness protection, that's the word, witness protection. <laughs> Like, uh, character. I know. couldn't remember what it was either, so I was like, I'm just going to let him figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> you have this witness protection person, you know, there that Jimmy Woo is assigned to, and when he's, like, making his check-ins, you know, as an agent over his, you know, the people he's over, <clears throat> he discovers that he can't find, he can't find this witness. He can't witness. find it. Right. Um, and I mean, so call, and then he starts calling associates, and the associates don't, or like that person doesn't, who are you talking about? That, that person doesn't exist. Right. Um, and which means that something that is happening within Westview is causing people to not take notice, whether that's yeah. Wanda or again, this other force that we don't know about yet. Something is happening. Uh, but they haven't told us who that witness is in any way. It's just mentioned. Nor do we see in episode four as they're discovering who some of these people are, does he say, oh, there's my witness, you know, found him, like, mm -hmm. or her, that they're there, right? Mm -hmm. And so we don't know yet what what is going on with that. Um, and there's a bunch of, like, all these other little details that we could spend time getting into, but um, for the most part, they're all hints at other things or maybe potentials of what's to come. But I love that Jimmy Woo has his own little... 
um, question board like all of us fans probably do of like, is Vision alive or dead? What's really going on? Who's in control? Is Wanda in control? Like, and he's like asking yeah. all the same questions we're asking on yep. the outside of this. Why sitcoms? You know, and uh, <laughs> just just adding to that curiosity and mystery of what's taking place. And so this week, when they when they bring us the next episode, we're gonna see what what's. I hope hopefully we'll see what's continuing to happen within Westview. But now yeah. that we've pulled the curtain back on what's going on outside perhaps they'll they'll alternate between you know what's happening in Westview and what's happening on the outside at the same time or if they're going to start alternating episodes or what but their approach to it's probably going to be different now that we know sure that on the outside there is you know people trying to figure out what is going on yeah yeah well and I want to say like I I didn't think about it initially but now I'm starting to wonder like the police officers who were like outside the town that Jimmy Woo was talking with. And he was like, oh, blah, 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 Westview. And they're like, that doesn't exist. And, you know, all this stuff. And then they disappear, right? I don't think we've ever seen them before. The police officers? Yeah. No, I mean, but it's possible that like after that conversation, because they jump cut to her, Monica, like, with the drone and like they're in the back yeah. of the car and the police officers are gone. That yeah. after that after talking to them they left. But they but they address it. They're like, Where did they go? Don't they? I don't think so, do they? if they did, I totally missed that. I could be wrong. Maybe they didn't. I do have one interesting little factoid to say about that though. All right. And it's something that you don't know. Kay. Can you believe it? Can you believe I know something about the show that you don't know? Not until you tell me. And, ah. I, and I either prove you wrong that I did know it. <laughs> you don't know it. There's no way that you know it. It's impossible for you to okay. know it. Okay. My oldest friend was watching WandaVision. And she texted me. She was watching episode four. And she texted me and she said, and she texted me uh, like a, a picture of the screen. And she said, I was not expecting when watching WandaVision tonight to see my uncle on the screen. Your oldest friend's uncle is in the show? Yeah. He's one of the police officers. Oh, really? Yeah. In that scene? Yes. <laughs> right, I didn't know that. I know you didn't know that. Ha ha ha. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, I don't get a whole lot of wins here when it comes to this stuff. So, is that um, a win? I'm I, gonna. I knew something you didn't know. Yeah, but like a hundred percent of the people don't know that. I was right though. Okay. This is why you like. Look, I only take safe bets. <laughs> <laughs> I only I only bet on something that's a sure thing, <laughs> and that was a sure thing. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So brief, just a brief like glimpse into those two episodes. There's again, there's a lot more that we could talk about. Um, did not even addressing the fact that the twins are there. Um, yeah. Oh Billy and Tommy and what that could mean. Um, but just keep watching. Keep watching. I've seen so many people go, I don't know if I like this show or not. And then this fourth episode finally came out and they're like, OK, now I'm interested again. And so 
keep watching, especially if you're an MCU person. And even if t- the TV format is not your thing, you're going to find that it's going to, it's going to get crazy. It's going to get wild. So just keep going. Yeah. I think that it's going to be really cool. I'm excited. All right. So we are moving on from WandaVision, episodes three and four, getting ready to check out episode five here at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. But we recently had a chance to uh, watch through uh, uh, a newer movie that I really enjoyed. Oh it was so good. Uh, not related to the Marvel Universe here. And I uh, want to talk no. about that just a little bit. And, and not so much the um, the whole movie itself, um, but more about the 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 way that storytelling works in in a film like this, and uh, so just the other day, I think it was last Saturday, we had a mm-hmm. chance to watch uh, Tenet, the yeah. new Christopher Nolan film. It's so good. John David Washington and Robert Pattinson and a bunch of other people, um, but it was it was wonderful. It it really was. It really was. And uh, I, I just like, you know how there are some movies where you're like, oh, this is interesting. And then there's a bunch of like boring stuff, uh, kind of bits that are essential to the story in the middle, but they don't, they aren't done particularly well. And so it feels very dry and kind of like, yeah. okay, great. We have to have this information. Um, I did not feel that way at all in Tenet. I felt like I was super invested in every single detail of what happened. Um, and I, I think partly because it's one of those films where if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss it. Like, if you are not focusing in, you're going to miss it. What? Yeah. Why'd you make that face? <laughs> because you're the person who's, like, on their phone. I am. No, I like, am. I Like, this is what I'm, I'm, I'm coming clean. every I, movie and show we watch. If, it, if I'm like, I don't need to know this, I will check out. Like, it's really hard for me to stay focused on something that I just am, like... Maybe this is pertinent information, but you're telling it in a really boring way, so I, I just don't care. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Get better <laughs> at storytelling when it comes to pertinent information. Just tell it in a more interesting way. <laughs> for those of us with short attention spans, I don't know what to say. So f- for me, this movie it, it was a fa- it was a fast it was fascinating. It it was just first of all, it was beautifully shot. Like oh my gosh, and then the, like. Sorry, go ahead. Christopher Nolan's team. Um, a lot of people he uses uh, for, for his films. Um, for a while, it was Wally Feister, and I'm not sure who was the cinematographer on this one exactly, but um, just beautiful, just like setups and framing, the cinematography, the visual aesthetic, everything just felt vibrant and beautiful in uh, in terms of its color palette and... Um, just the scenery and the backgrounds. And a lot of this is shot, you know, on location. Christopher Nolan's a very practical effects type of person versus a lot of um, special effects. And so he he knows how to set up a scene. He knows what he's looking for in that. And he has a great team who can find the shots he's looking for to to pull that off. Um, and he doesn't, he does not fail in that regard. Um, even the scenes that are dark or intense with action just have like a beautiful appeal to them. That yeah. really makes it easy to watch. Um, but with this story, and for this one, I really don't want to I really don't want to spoil this. Oh no. Go watch so we're, the we're film. We're not gonna talk a lot about the the plot so much as just like the the way that you can 
just about story in general. Um, but I remember this. So this came out in around September of 2020. Um, it was supposed to come out in like July and then it got pushed back. And this was really the first film released in theaters again during the middle of the, the pandemic. And that part of that is because um, Christopher Nolan was adamant that this ha- this is a theater film. Um, like much of his films, um, he he does a lot of his filming in IMAX format with IMAX cameras. So they're kind of designed to be these big displays of cinema. And he's like, I'm not releasing this just to streaming services or just, you know, on home video. Uh, this is a theatrical experience, and so we're gonna we're gonna have that happen. And there are a lot of studios that were interested in in waiting to see what the results of releasing a movie like Tenet would be, a movie that had a lot of hype to it. People love Christopher Nolan um, after his work with um, the Dark Knight trilogy. He's kind of had this big fan base going, and for the most part, like his films have been well received, box office hits. You know. There have been a few where people are like, I enjoyed most of that. I'm not really sure what's happening. Sure. Like Interstellar, um, which I also enjoyed. Um, but I don't know if maybe it's just me, but I don't. Like I can watch one of his films. And it's usually um, done in such a way where I don't feel like the story is is terribly difficult to follow. Right. Like the the movie itself is if you're paying attention and, you know, you're watching closely, you can kind of figure out what's going on. And usually by the end, if you don't catch it all, enough is revealed either through dialogue and description or through the rest of the scene where you can um, kind of fill in the gaps of what you missed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, that's interesting um, because obviously theaters are closed or were closed. Um I think they still are in large part. Um, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that he was like, no, this needs to be released in the theater. And it was a, it was still a great experience watching it, but I remember thinking while I was sitting there watching it, I would love to have been able to see this in theaters. It, that would have been very cool. Like Just like you said, the cinematography and the effects and the music, the music and everything sort of coming together, you know, and having that, full experience um i wouldn't be opposed to going and seeing it in a theater once um you know covid is controlled and things are safe again yeah whether or not they do some sort of re-release i don't know i don't know but i would i would still pay money to go see it in theater even though i've already seen it yeah so with his story you there were a lot of people in the aftermath of this film coming out that were like like I don't get it, and then people making jokes of, I get, I get it, ha ha ha. Like those of you who don't get it, memes and stuff like that. And I don't know. Like, there's something special about creating a story that requires a lot of thought process, but also is easy to understand. Yeah. And even if it's like, okay, this isn't built in reality or in an experience that we've as current humans have ever experienced, I can understand the process behind how this works. Sure. And um, this movie deals with um, physics and um, 
just the, the a lot of math, and I'm not a math oh, yeah. person. <laughs> um, it deals with, uh, of course, you have like you know this 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 worry of a possible nuclear threat. Um, and what the what the film really does for me, and what it made me think of is, it's like everything I've wanted from like a spy film or a James Bond film. Um, in the regard of that genre, but done in a different and in an interesting way that I feel like I haven't seen in a while. Because, you know, even though a lot of these newer James Bond films I've enjoyed with Daniel Craig, who has been Bond the last 12 years or whatever it is now, 14 years, um, you know, those those films kind of get predictable. You know, for the most part, he's going to win in the end. Because you, you know this character. Right, right. Um, and you know that even when the plot is extremely ridiculous, like in Die Another Day, and there's an ice palace, and, like, the threat is, like, severe global warming. Right. Like, in a matter of an instant, that, um, or they're trying to bring about a new ice. See, even that, I was like, I don't know what they're trying to do here. I can't remember <laughs> the exact plot details. You're just like, okay, like I like it requires a lot more suspense of belief sometimes in those scenarios to to really pull off what they're trying to encapsulate in the story. And I think it's because Christopher Nolan really doesn't do the same thing twice um, for the most part uh, in his stories that you're not necessarily expecting what he's going to do, even if he uses a similar idea. Um, or, or or a way of communicating this this truth that he's trying to bring about um, to consider in the story. Um, it's done in such a way that brings something fresh and original to it, right? So like in Interstellar, um, you go through this process, if you've seen the movie, where then there's this moment of of the main character looking back through time and seeing what took place, and then he eventually meets his grown up an older daughter because of of the way that space and interstellar travel um, could possibly work. Um, you know, Christopher Nolan consulted with, um, again, astrophysicists and scientists and people who know about the theoreticals regarding space travel, um, where, you know, time could be changed differently depending on how fast you're traveling to where he travels back in the past. He travels so far into the future that his daughter is an old woman by the time he sees her again, but he hasn't aged very much. Right. You know, and so he can kind of, like, he's playing a little bit in that sense with a, a form of time travel, um, but it didn't feel like, you know, you're back to the future. I've got to go back and do this and do that. And, like, you know, and it's just a different approach and a different way of thinking about it. Where you have like the prestige, one of my favorite films where you have <clears throat> these two competing magicians and the way that he tells the story through um, true sleight of hand and visual illusion um, combined with then this science fiction Frankenstein-esque creating of a monster um, to tell the story of this other magician that has allowed himself to fall victim to his own hubris and it's, it's just a, a unique way of crafting a story and I guess just you know what I wanted to talk about is coming up with fresh ideas or fresh approaches to genres science fiction and, and horror and 
you know, even the superhero tropes that we see on a regular basis now that that tells the story in a different way. I think I think it's just fascinating. And I, I you know, as someone who enjoys these films, Joy, yeah, but isn't necessarily as deep into these universes maybe as I am with reading comics or reading science fiction and horror. Um, like, what are your thoughts on how these stories? develop or how these stories connect with just the average audience um well i mean obviously everyone has their own tastes in film and things like that and so it's not going to resonate probably with everyone um but for me it's i find it fascinating and um and really compelling um, because you're you're not just asking questions about like how did this happen and is this even possible? Which like yes, that's interesting in its own right, like the science and the math, basically like the STEM aspect of the film. But I think the other thing that you know um, is really compelling is like what is what is the ethical implication of all of this, and what is right in this scenario? And when you're um, presented with a situation where, you know, even seemingly arbitrary decisions have massive impact. Um, and there is no rule book for something like this. And you're just kind of going forward, trying to figure it out as you move through the experience and you're just trying to make the right choices. Um, I think it does a really good job showing, um, it's showing some of the like bigger flaws of humanity. And I think that that was one of my, you know, takeaways was like, um, revenge is one of those things that we all to some level or another deal with, you know, we all want to seek revenge against the people who have harmed us to a certain point. And it's a matter of whether or not we can control ourselves. Um, and then, you know, and, and does it actually help us? Does it actually save us? Um, and issues like arrogance and thinking that, you know, we know more than other people despite what they're telling us and refusing to hear other people's experiences or listen to their expertise or, you know, anything that they may know about because we just think that we know better. Um, it shows us, you know, uh, I get, I, like future implications for something like that in a very real way. Um, but then, you know, instead of, he, I think that Christopher Nolan does a really good job showing us those themes and the dangers of those, um, you know, sort of human pitfalls um, in a different way, in an exciting way, in a way that, like, for me, caused me to introspect. Like, ooh, yeah, he maybe should have listened in that scenario. Or, oh, maybe they shouldn't have taken revenge there because it doesn't just affect them. It affects other people, um, you know, and, you know, the the larger implications of making those kinds of decisions when we are operating solely based on making ourselves feel better. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point because that, that makes me think of like the general idea of like the mythology of storytelling. Um, you know, and I, I think we've talked about this before long ago, maybe early on in the in the podcast history about like the, the purpose of, of telling stories, you know, and 
for a long time, like throughout history with mythology or fables, you had this kind of morality tale like, hey, here's a story and it's entertaining. But at the end of the day, if you act like this, it's going to cost you, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for for the most part, while stories have changed over the millennia, I think that there is still an underlying kind of, you know, cautionary warning that even your heroes um, or even your everyday people like have have an opportunity to fail. And if you're paying close attention, you'll see that not every choice that they make is a good one. Yeah. I mean, I think I would agree with that. I think that pretty much every story that we, um, you know, that we take in has moral underpinnings. Um, I think that there is... I definitely think that there is a difference in... Um, how well different storytellers address the nuance and the complexity yeah. of something like that. And and I guess that's what I'm what I'm getting at is that like this film and these types of films where you know where these issues are addressed in a different sort of way, they do a really great job and Christopher Nolan is is good at this. Um in at least in the films that I've seen, um of taking, you know, a human problem like revenge, like arrogance, like impatience, like self-importance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, having your own moral compass and, and refusing to, and, and thinking that like you're legitimately more, um, like you're the moral authority. And, um, and taking those themes and addressing them in a way that, that really does deal with the nuance and the complexity of those things and you know, from a human point of view, instead of like making it overly simplified, overly tropey, um, sometimes we make decisions based in a particular emotion that have both negative and positive consequences. And I, I think that a lot of times what we see in other films is, and in storytelling is like, you're only shown the negative consequences or you're only shown the positive consequences it's um I feel like it's very rare to see negative and positive consequences sort of tangled together yeah for for me funny enough like going back to uh the Marvel Universe I think that there is a a a good example of this like in the character story of Tony Stark right you have this person who really begins everything out of selfish motives for the most part. And it's not until his final moments where you see the selfless act of character. Um, and so you have this arc of kind of completion where, you know, in the first Avengers movie, you have that conversation between him and Cap, like where Cap's like, you know, if, if, if um, you know, between you and your team, if, if, you know, would you be the one to throw yourself across the wire to protect your team? And Tony's like, I'd rather cut the wire. And then at the very end, yeah. you know, being the guy to, you know, lay down on the wire and, and die for everybody else. Yeah. You know, and the, the complete change of who, who he is. And then, you know, kind of tying in the whole WandaVision thing with, again, without any spoilers here, the, the creation of Wanda and, and her brother, uh, Petro, um, in Sokovia from, 
the remnants of what took place in the first Avengers movie and that technology being left with Hydra. And then the creation of Ultron. Ultron was created by Tony. Right. And like we saw the consequences of that in that film and what Mm -hmm. took place, which then led to everything else that happened. But then at the same time, without Ultron, Wanda wouldn't have become the hero that she was. And, you know, you could argue that maybe she's not totally a hero as we see what's happening in the story of WandaVision right now. Yeah. But like the consequences of actions, both good and bad, lead the story forward. Um, And, you know, not everybody sets out to write or create a story or a a piece of media that is designed like with the the uh, critical intent to say, hey, think about this uh, morality or this issue that you might be presented with in the future. But I think what grounds those stories in reality is the fact that all of us all of us, even in the high fiction, high fantasy, superhero genre, science fiction, horror, stuff that doesn't exist in real life, all of us are faced with choices and we know that there are consequences for our actions. Yes, maybe I won't create a murder robot like Tony Stark. Right, right. But, you know, if I choose X, then YZ will happen and, you know, I have to think about those things and those things could be good or bad and how that might impact me. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that that really is what develops characters, those choices and those choices and how the character responds, like create the scenario. And from the scenario, then you have the world. And from the world that is built around those characters, you have the influx of choices that dictate other characters within that world. And I, I bring all that up because, like you said, I think Nolan really nailed it with this one, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I know there are a lot of people like, I don't get this movie. I don't like this movie. What is happening? But I, I, I would say that maybe for me it might be my, it might be it, it might be my favorite Nolan film right now. At least, at least yeah. it used to be Prestige. Like I kind of don't include his his Batman stuff. Like even though they're brilliant because it's such a like separate thing, um, sure. within a larger context of superhero films, which I do I do love those movies. Um, but from his other. His other films that are not superhero related, the um, the stories all being unique and different. Like I can find a, a special place for all of them, but for me, I think it's I think Tenet kind of takes that top space right now because of just the uniqueness and interestingness of it, and just the character dynamics. I, I was still enjoy after watching that movie. I was mm-hmm. like. I just love the chemistry between Robert Pattinson and John David Washington. I don't, and I don't know anything about what was going on on set. They could have right. hated each other for all Who I knows? know. <laughs> Who knows? They could have hated each other for all I know, like while on set. But in the film, their chemistry was so good. I'm like, I would just, I would watch any genre film with those two in it if they like had that type of friendship, uh, yeah. relationship, yeah. you know, communication. Like in it, uh, uh, it could be a buddy comedy it could be a road trip film it could be a romance i don't care like i'd watch right. it because right. it's, they're just like so good together they, yeah they they did a wonderful job like playing off of each other um and i think that i think that one of the things for me like i don't know that i've ever seen john david washington in any other films but i have seen robert pattinson in other films um most specifically uh when he plays um shoot what's his name in the film 
Harry Potter? From, yeah. He doesn't play Harry Potter, but he's in Harry no, Potter. No, but he's in Harry Potter. What is his, uh, Cedric, Cedric. Cedric, Cedric Diggory. Diggory. So he plays Cedric Diggory, and it's like, okay, fine. This is kind of like typical teenage thing, I guess. Um, but I was just kind of like, meh, about Robert Pattinson. And I know that was a very long time ago, and I'm sure that he, you know, like everyone who uh, has a particular profession or skill you get better at it over time <laughs> and you develop new skill sets. But I thought that he did a really good job in this film and I, it didn't even strike me as uh, like, oh, that's Cedric Diggory. Because you know how sometimes when you see a movie, you kind of do yeah. that? Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that's Robert Pattinson. He's so, he does such a great job taking this, taking on this role. Um, and and really making us forget, I guess. Yeah. Any other character that he's played. So uh, over the last several years, I've kind of I used to have I used to have my own probably terrible opinion about what that what what young actors especially look like when it comes to film or like early films that people do. Um, and then I remember like, you know, if you're new to the to the scene, whether it be filmmaking or like you said any other type of job. Yeah. Um, you really have a tensity to, I think, embrace, like, the naivety and just being like, oh, oh yeah. you're telling me, oh, you want me to stay in here? Okay. You want me yeah. to say it like this? Yeah. Okay. And there's really no, like, th there's a lot less feeling of confidence to input your own ideas and creativity into what you're doing yeah it's like starting any new job right and the longer you're there and the more rapport you build with the people you're working with or the more comfortable you get with how things are done in the workplace you're able to um kind of just bring your own spin to how you do things to to work the most effectively and get the most out of yourself like to to achieve you know your priorities and your purpose in your work and you know, I, I was thinking about this too, just again, after we watched this movie and just like even the little bit of the Twilight movies I, I saw in high school. Like <laughs> I didn't think, see them, but my roommate was obsessed in college. I'm just thinking about like, man, this is just feels like terrible. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you could say, oh, well, you know, they're just more developed as an actor. I, yes, I think that's true. But I also think there's the, hey, like you're you're this brand, you're new to this, we're looking for something, et cetera. You just kind of end up falling in line with whatever you're told to do versus like thinking as an individual for yeah. what you can bring to it. And I think that, I think that over time, especially in some of his, his other films, you have this actor and Robert Pattinson where he's like, Hey, I have confidence. I know what I can do. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to bring to it. And instead of, feeling like he can't probably address directors or bring his own nuance to it, there's more confidence there. And I would imagine yeah. that the same thing is true with a lot of either younger actors when they got their start or just their, you know, going from this is my first big thing and so I'm going to do my best to just do what they want me to do. Yeah. Versus yeah. Hey, I've been doing this a long time and I also have some ideas on how to do this and make it even better. Because sure. Because, again, in, like, creative work, it should be a collaboration. It should be a way to develop and bring the best out of everybody, not just the best out of one person or one scene. Yeah. Um, and this movie, for me, like, I was already looking forward to the new Batman with him in it as Bruce Wayne coming oh, out in yeah, 2022. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. Um, 
that, I mean, the trailer for that, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's just like intense and raw and I'm excited about it. But after watching this, I was like, Ooh, okay. Like I could see the both, obviously there's action scenes with him in it. I'm like, he's really good at this, but there were moments of, of like suavity. I don't know if that's a word. Suavity. Um, Suaviness. Suave. Suave. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I like, I'm going to say suavity. Suavity. I'm sure that's not it, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's um, not it either. There's moments of suavity that like <laughs> the, uh, that he shows that I'm like, I can also see Bruce Wayne here. Yeah. With, I think that's, you know, which yeah. uh, really like kind of cements this like excitement for who and what Bruce Wayne and Batman are going to look like in this, in this new film too, which is a whole nother thing that I'm excited mm-hmm. about and can't wait for. And, yeah. Should be pretty cool. Um, before we move on from this, I have one more yep. thing that I would like to yeah, say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't remember the actor's name. I'm sure that you will. Um, he plays Gilderoy Lockhart in oh, yeah. Harry Potter. Kenneth and he's Branagh. also in, what's that? Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. And he's also in Tenet. Um first of all, he does look significantly different in Tenet than he did in Harry Potter because of like hair and clothing and costume, and you know, whatever. Like Twenty years. Also 20 years. Um, <laughs> but I think the thing for me that like I really love seeing um, is similar to what we were talking about before. When you see an actor in a particular role um, and you come to kind of like associate them with that role. But then you see them in another film and you see them completely shatter those notions that you had of them as a person because of this previous role that they played and I think that the thing that I would like to say about Kenneth Branagh is I had no idea how truly terrifying and cruel he could portray himself you as. don't yeah you, you just don't watch enough films what <laughs> yeah, that's not nice Oh, he's been around a long time, even before. I'm sure he Harry has, Potter, and he's done um, some amazing. I'm sure he has, work. but for someone who like has only had the experience of his Harry yeah, Potter like performance, I, I yeah. only have those two performances side by side, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> that he he's truly terrifying, um, and not in like a hack and slash kind of way, but like in a psychological. Yeah. Way and he's physically intimidating and it just like this whole uh, it, the way that he portrays his role in Tenet is phenomenal. Watching him was one of the most interesting parts of the film for me. Like watching his performance and also trying to figure out what he was going to do. Like was and I was, I was like viscerally angry with him, like all the time, <laughs> yeah. the whole time. I, but at the same time, I was like, okay, the, I'm ang- angry at the character, but the actor himself, the actual person portraying this character. You're impressed with. Like, what the heck? How are you so good at this? And I know, like we said before, it's years of practice and skill and study and, you know, getting outside yeah. your comfort zone. All of those things that we talk about when it comes to creativity um, but I see actors like that, people who are so good at their craft. And I think it's just a great reminder for us to like, Hey, um, keep pushing yourself. Like maybe, maybe we've reached a comfortable point in a particular skill or craft 
and we know what we can do really well and so we just kind of like keep doing that but like don't don't settle i guess like you don't have to like beat yourself down but at the same time like wow the amazing things that an artist can do and that a creative can do if we push ourselves and if we continue to step outside of previous skill sets and previous things that you know that we've done and that we've become comfortable with because that's the only way that anybody gets better at their craft yeah um i think that kenneth Branagh is a great example of that because there's no way he was he just was like no nobody does this right and and nobody is able to just like instantly portray such starkly different characters without years of work and study and i don't know that's what i think i want to see him in more films now yeah you should i should because he's he's good he's really good it's what he's known for is being really good i didn't know that <laughs> though nick you you asked my perspective as know, somebody who's not super like no, i know i know in that world, and well, that's I've, my perspective. I'm also laughing though because I've tried to get you to watch other stuff with him in it. In you probably general. have. Was it scary? Uh, no, actually, recently I was like, we should watch um, um, uh, uh, Murder on the Orient Express, the new one. He plays Poirot. Oh my gosh, that's him! Yeah. Oh, now we have to he watch also, it. He also directed it, and I've told oh you he gosh. also does a lot of directing. Like he directed the first Thor movie. Again, yes, but I can tie anything back to the Marvel universe. I know you can, but you have to understand. Very Shakespearean. I don't remember people's anything. names. I, yeah, or <laughs> anything. <laughs> so, Kenneth Branagh, if you're listening, I apologize. I'm just like now realizing how talented you are. He sends me emails weekly. I'm sure that he'll bring it up because he listens so regularly. I have to meet him. It's Michael Keaton. <laughs> yes. All right. Moving on to our next segment. What are we going to do today? right here is our segment what we're going to do today where we talk about things that we're working on creatively um in life in our skills in our hobbies what we're kind of doing these days um to keep ourselves uh i guess working on that creative stuff working on our creative skills so uh if we'd love to hear from our listeners we'd love to hear what you guys have going on what you're working on so you can comment on instagram um, or Twitter, we have a Twitter uh, at Stoke the Wild, or you can email us Nick at StokeTheWild dot com. Nope, nope, not, not that's even wrong. Close. Stoke the Wild at Gmail dot com. Yep, yep, that's the one. <laughs> Stoke the Wild at Gmail dot com. You can email us, tell us what you're working on. Um, we really just do this as a form of accountability, bouncing ideas off of each other, and we really do enjoy hearing from our listeners. So please don't be shy. Hit us up, uh, Nick. What do you have going on? What are you doing today? Well, um, I guess finding a new email address. For I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, I never do this segment. I never do the intro for this segment. <laughs> and I just kind of am like, sure, it's a Stokes Wild thing. Um, so the things that I've got going on right now, 
uh, as you guys know, I'm in school, um, in graduate school again, and working through just some projects for that this semester. It's a real busy semester, so I've got a lot on my plate uh, between teaching and uh, reading and doing a whole lot of writing. It's been really good, but there's th- there's just a lot. So um, I, in between all that, I've been fitting in both some personal projects as well as uh, working on some content for another creator and uh, artist that is just brilliant um, and just trying to incorporate the time to be able to pull all that off um, is, is rather difficult at times, but for the most part... Um, Albeit slowly, I'm moving forward with those things and, and trying to get through it. So, um, and then I find myself just on the daily trying to take moments. Oh, hi there. Hello, son. Hello, tiny, Shh, tiny person. Tiny human. Tiny human. Please be quiet while we record. Um, so, I, for the most part, I've tried to find on the daily... Have you heard that as our youngest son saying that's War Machine, which is a picture of the Avengers that I have on my computer as the backdrop. So anyway, as I was saying, um, daily I try to find moments to continue to work on my poetry um, as well as storytelling, even if it's just jotting down ideas. Like I, I'm definitely um, a big fan. I've said it before here, but I've talked about it in other places. Um, about like having an idea book, um, a or even a, a like what I call a um, swipe file, um, which I think I stole that idea directly from Austin Cleon. So same kind of thing, right? Like you know, having a file of information where when you see something or hear something or read something that you know is an interesting topic of conversation or an interesting way to like. Um, engage with with some other creative work or idea you know you jot jot that down because you never know what else it might inspire so whether it be you know pictures um, or you know taking a walk and you know seeing something and being like oh that's fascinating and just writing down like what you saw Um, or when I used to um, travel for work a lot um, overheard conversation things that I just thought were funny that like maybe would come up later in a story or that I would pull a line from from a poem or even mm-hmm. articles now that I read where I'm like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Maybe there's something here that it could be developed in to something else. And um, all those things are, are good to like consider um, as long as if you're if you're pulling something directly, just as a reminder to people, as I was reminded just from stuff going on in the news, that plagiarism is not okay. And <laughs> general theft of work and claiming it as your own is not okay. Wrong. So it's one thing to be inspired by something and then like emulating that inspiration and utilizing that inspiration to create something new. But it's a totally other thing to just say, like, copy, paste, this is mine now. Um, so don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, so that being said, those are the things that I've got going on that I've been working on. Nice. Um, fun stuff, exciting stuff. Uh, but because of how busy my schedule is, it's going a lot slower for some of those personal things and, uh, yeah. kind of contracted work that I, I would like to be doing. So mm-hmm. doing my best to get it all done, but that's, that's me right now. That's what I got going on. How nice. about you? What do you got going on? Oh, well, I have some very exciting things going on. 
And I'm just going to be honest about that. I'm really excited. I am, uh, I have an opportunity for my job, my day job, if you will, to um, submit some video work, uh, some examples of, um, you know, what it is that we do and how we work with families and uh, to submit that to our affiliate, which is an international organization. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited to have that opportunity and I'm really grateful to have that opportunity. Um, so I'm really excited to, you know, talk to my families and say like, hey, how do you feel about this? And get consent to submit some video of us working together. I'm really excited. Um, some other exciting things that I have going on uh, that might sound very boring to some, but to me they are thrilling, is that I... Um, <laughs> this is the boring part. I'm going to see the dentist on Friday, but uh, for me it's it's exciting and also terrifying because I haven't been to a dentist in <laughs> years. Um, uh, because insurance, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, and scared, but also excited to go see the dentist. And then later I'm so excited and so grateful for the opportunity, uh, that later that same day to go get the first dose of the COVID vaccine. Um, I'm in group one B because of my work and health conditions. And so I'm very grateful to have found an appointment slot, um, after a week of just like trying, like, I'm not joking, roughly 20 to 25 different um, locations every single day. I finally got an appointment um, and I'm so grateful. So I'm very excited to be going and, and getting my first dose of the COVID vaccine. And then later that day, I am uh, interviewing another guest for the podcast. So I will have some more episodes banked up. And, um, for, for my podcast, that is for 99 lead balloons. And, uh, I'm going to be doing some intro kind of like reintroduce the, the show and, uh, the podcast and, and let everybody know like, Hey, we're st I'm still here and we exist. Um, I didn't forget about you all. And I appreciate everyone who is still listening out there. Um, if you're interested in following along and seeing what is new and what's coming up for 99 Lead Balloons, you can follow me um, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at 99pod. And that's the, the word spell, spelled out. It's not like the, the two numbers next to each other. Um, at 99pod. And uh, I would love to have you along for the journey. If you'd like to email me, um, about anything on the show, you can email me at uh, joy at 99pod.com. And I would love to hear from you. Um, and then apart from that, I would say that the thing that I'm working on is really uh, reading and also doing some writing, um, which is just for me, you know, like journaling, kind of getting my, my thoughts out, but also like reading some really incredible things um, and enjoying audiobooks as well. So that's that's what I got going on. Awesome. Well, like Joy said at the beginning of the segment, if you have things that you've got your uh, that you're working on that you want to share with us, go ahead and reach out to us on social media at Stoke the Wild on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, and you can email us Stoke the Wild at gmail.com. That's Stoke the Wild at gmail.com. Let us know what you've got going on, as well as you can find me on my art and uh, Twitter pages at Nick Dertinger Art for Instagram and at Nick Dertinger for Twitter, and you can find Joy. 
at JM Dertinger on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you, uh, yeah, like, I mean, that's where you can find me. I might be a little salty at times, but uh, if you if you don't mind that uh, or you think that that's it, funny or whatever, then you can follow me. So. Yeah. All right, guys. Th- that's our episode for this week. So uh, we will catch you next time for more information on what's going on out there in the world of creativity. And we hope you enjoy your wonderful week. See you later. Bye.